Welcome to Women United Art Podcast, a space dedicated to women artists from all around the globe. Together, we'll dive deep into all things related to our art practices and life experiences. Stay tuned for tips and great advice from incredible women who are killing it in the art world. My name is Mona Lurch. I am a visual artist, artist coach, and founder of Art Moms United and Women United Art Movement. And I'm inviting you now to be the choreographer of your own life. I hope this podcast will inspire you and help you navigate through the next steps in your art career. And with that being said, let's begin our journey together. Welcome to another episode of Women United Art Podcast. Today, I'm so excited to have a very special guest, Gia Joshi, who is an independent curator, artist coach, podcast host, author of a best-selling book, Show Your Art, How to Build an Art Career Without a Gallery. Gide is also the founder of the Curator's Salon and the Art Scene Magazine, a new international publication that focuses on contemporary art. Welcome, Gita. I'm so excited to have you here today. I'm always excited to see you and speak to you. And I can't wait uh, for our audience to learn more about you because you are one of the jurors or you were one of the jurors last year for the Art Prize, for Women United Art Prize. And this year we have you on board again. So I want um, all the artists to, to learn more about you and listen to your story and your valuable advice. So my first question to you, I want to talk about you a little more, is that you decided to study art history at school. And do you remember the first time that this area sparked an interest? Mona, thank you so much for having me on the podcast. Um, the first time it sparked an interest, I don't really, I, I suppose I know that that was quite pivotal for me. I was always interested in history and I'd done that through my GCSEs. And then discovering art history, it had this sort of visual dimension and different ways of interpreting, you know, narratives and history and just different ways of seeing the world. So I think that's what really vibed with me. And I, th I think that's when I really felt like actually this was a subject that I was really into. There was so much more to explore there. And, and there was just, yeah, it, it just wasn't linear as well. I think that was really interesting to me as well. You know, we, like art history is often taught in a very linear way. But and while we while I did have that traditional sort of education, there was also, you know, just so many different uh, perspectives on particular artworks, for example, you know, like just different viewpoints. And I think that was one of the things that I just found really interesting as well. So, yeah, it, it was just one of those moments where I just suddenly felt like, hmm, actually, I think this is my subject. This is what I want to be doing. And then, yeah, I followed that through to university and beyond. Thank you so much. And then, so you studied curating in Central St. Martins in London, which I lived in London for four years. I know it's a city full of artists and being surrounded by artists as well. Have you ever considered that path actually? Like, were you ever interested in becoming a visual artist or was it always the, the curation side of, of things? No, it was actually a bit different. So I, I um, studied art history for my degree and then I you know, went into the world of work. And at the time, I'd always thought that to have a job that, in, you know, that let you work in with some art history background would probably have to be a museum or some sort of institution. I think, you know, in the 90s, it, that was still very much considered like how one would spend their life. They would go into a job and then 
you know, 40, 50 years later, they would like retire. <laughs> um, so I initially worked for the Royal Fine Art Commission and I worked for various um, architects practices and things like that. But what I did was always have one foot in kind of um, art education. So I was always kind of um, interested in art making. I would do like part-time courses, night classes. Um, I was a volunteer at London Open House, which is a weekend when lots of historical buildings are open to the public. So, you know, I was always kind of doing these things in my own time. Uh, They were not part of my actual, you know, day job or anything like that. And um, it was, you know, so I actually only did curating Uh, I think I don't even know what year it was, like 2010 or something like that. So, yeah, so that's actually happened later. So I hadn't ever thought about being an artist. While I was interested in techniques and processes, those were the sorts of things I was studying. You know, I'd I'd learned framing, dressmaking. So, all you know, very broadly, these sorts of uh, slightly more physical um, ways of how things are made and so on. Um, but yeah, curating kind of came a bit later. That suddenly seemed really interesting. And I think it was, that was one of those second most pivotal moments for me when I suddenly realized, well, actually, this was a way of doing something on my own terms that had more creative control than whatever that imaginary job in a museum would have been in some back office. And, you know, I'd be able to work with artists, but I would also have some creative input. And this kind of really suited me much more than yeah like I say some back office job in an institution that I well the job I never got anyway you know um so yeah that's that's really my journey into it and I do feel like curating actually does offer me that creativity and that creative outlet as well I love that and and also I'm I'm just smiling here because we talk all the time and you know we know each other for for quite some time and now I'm learning more and more things about you so I really love that that you shared your background. Now, you decided to open your own gallery in London and uh, you always enjoyed working with artists and then you created workshops. You are now mentoring, coaching artists, creating various programs, running your own membership. Can you please talk about that a little bit and then also why do you think having a mentor or coach is important for artists? Yeah, so when I... um completed my curating program and I you know it was this absolute sort of belief that I could do something with this and I could do more and you know take up space that um, led me to I joined actually school for creative startups and you know I had a mentor there and you know I was around a lot of other creative businesses they weren't all artists they were you know designer makers fashion people and and that was massively helpful, you know, because I didn't really know, even though I had also worked in business and I'd worked in financial institutions, you know, starting your own business is a different experience, right? You have to be everything, right? The CEO and the marketing department and everything, fundraising and whatever. So, um, you know, so that was really important um, to be able to sort of be part of that community where we were encouraged, motivated, steered and mentored to really fulfill those things that we set out to do for all of us within this um, school for creative startups. It doesn't exist anymore, but it was, so it was from there that I was like, okay, well, let me do an art firm. So I actually first had a showcase at Somerset house in London. And then I sort of decided to do an art fair. And I think it was at the art fair that I really felt 
that, you know, I wanted to spend more time like talking about this art and getting people excited about the art. You know, I'd love that experience at the fair. And, you know, I could do this more and more in full time and uh, let me look at how to get a gallery space. And um, yeah, so then I, you know, promptly actually within about two months, I actually got the keys to um, some premises in central London and opened the gallery there. So what happened when I was at the gallery, so I, you know, had these artists I was working with, all of that was fine, but I would get submissions from artists all the time, you know, saying, basically asking for representation, they wanted shows, and essentially they were not in good shape to be working with an artist, uh, with a gallery, sorry, they were not ready. They didn't have bodies of work, the way they communicated their work was off, they weren't really coming into a possible relationship in a peer-to-peer situation, which is what I wanted them to be, and that was what I was had with the artists I was working with. So these, you know, unsolicited submissions were just often in really poor shape. So I started running uh, workshops called Getting Gallery Ready, and um, and this was just at the gallery, you know, after hours where we'd we'd go through, you know, some of the simple things like presenting cohesive bodies of work, about talking about your artwork, about even, you know, aspects of them being professional beyond that relationship. So so they were standing on their own two feet, like the things like their websites and so on. Um, And if they weren't right, and most of the time they weren't right for me, so, you know, what else they could be doing to sort of build out their, their experience. So that is actually how that sort of mentoring side started, I suppose. And then I was also a trustee at Camberwell Arts Festival, which is the UK's oldest visual arts festival. Um, So that was, I don't know what that would be, like 2014, 15. And over time, you know, the sort of work we were doing there was also supporting artists in this sort of very small um, geography within South London. But there's a a large artist community there. So my work as a trustee there was also sort of meeting lots of these artists and naturally I kind of fell into supporting and mentoring them or, you know, just sort of um, sharing advice and, you know, giving them feedback as they were asking for around how they could make more sales from their open studio events, um, sell directly and all that kind of thing. So working with the festival, which is only like a two week festival in June, how they how that artist could really maximize that opportunity. Uh, working you know with the exposure the festival was giving them like what they could be doing at their studio what they could be doing for their visitor experience how they could piggyback off that two-week event to get some momentum around the next thing that they wanted to do so you know that that sort of uh supporting artists mentoring them sharing advice education all of that is kind of grew, grew quite organically and then you know I ran the open, I sort of led the open studios program for a while as well. And that was about 120 artists over, I don't know, about 10 to 12 sites across um, Camberwell. And yeah, you know, and I just sort of leaned into that more and more. So that's kind of really how that sort of basically followed into coaching. And I think, you know, when I started writing the book, that was also slightly selfish angle from one perspective because it was like well okay like this is what I want the artist to do this is what I want them to level up before they come to me and then of course that evolved into editing some of it down to be more pertinent to like you know things that they could literally implement so the book is actually called show your art how to build an art career without a gallery 
And, you know, that was a lot of uh, practical information in there about how an artist can really level up. So, and essentially, as you say, you know, be more professional around um, their intentions, um, their approaches to presenting themselves on their online and offline world, creating opportunities for themselves and all these sorts of things. So, you know, coaches can really help you stay accountable. Um, And more from a mentoring perspective is you're really kind of getting guidance from somebody that perhaps has a more expansive view of the world. They have more experience. There are a few steps ahead in what they've achieved, but also the relationships they have that they might bring to the table or the exposure that, um, you know, you might be looking for that you might not actually be seeing opportunities. So having somebody that is able to open your eyes to more possibilities can, I just think, be massively helpful. You know, it's definitely been helpful for me. Thank you so much. Yes, and I have the same experience. Um, so, so I completely agree with what you said. Now, we often come across negative attitudes towards coaching. We we've seen some of some of those, especially when it comes to artists and and the art world. And what do you think, or why do you think this is happening? What is the reason? And also, do you have any advice for artists what they should be looking at or for when they're looking for support and mentors or coaches? Yeah, I think for somebody that wants, I think it probably starts with like figuring out what you want. So like, do you just want some knowledge? Like, is it just a knowledge transfer that you want? In which case, it's probably some straight up education that you want that's where you would probably go and do a program to actually learn something how to yeah how to you know it's a how to literally um but of course you're going to want to be able to do that with your own flavor so that's where you might in terms of um, artist education you might want to learn I don't know tactics or strategies around marketing and showing your work or something like that so that would is that would be what I would call straight up like you know, education or knowledge transfer, you know, that is where you learn to do something better. And that can be like a broad thing in the same way some artists might learn printmaking, and then they might learn about all the different types of printmaking, and they might then sort of focus on screen printing. And the same happens with sort of art business education that I teach, and I know that you also teach as well. So it might be, as I say, aspects of, you know, running your art business. So, you know, figuring out, is that what you want? Is that what you're actually looking for? And then, you know, and that's cool, right? You can go and find that. And there's so much out there. You know, I have programs and, you know, you have programs and, and, and so on. Coaching is different in that it is really helping people to unlock their own potential that's within them. And so this actually requires the artist in this case, you know, because I coach artists to actually take more responsibility and be more responsive and, yeah, responsible really for their own development. We're looking at things like uncovering blocks. So if it's around money, we might have to actually unpack some money stories that you have. So if you've heard often that it's difficult to make money as an artist or, um, you know, you have a a relationship with money that is quite fearful of um, you're always thinking that there's not enough money because you only ever have enough to meet your bills or whatever it is you have, then you know, we need to, we ask coaching questions that really kind of dig into like where these stories have come from and then heal and forgive and grow out of them. We help you on an energetic level, on an emotional and I suppose, 
you know, it sometimes also feels a little bit spiritual, but really untapping that potential that's already within you and recognizing that a lot of what we've been taught or your current operating system is is very much learned. And it's been, you know, and it's taken you this whole lifetime to learn this. And so, of course, it's going to be difficult to let go of it, but it does require letting go or forgiveness or, you know, all these other healing practices that we might also do to be able to move forward and actually step into, you know, being that phenomenal artist on the world stage or whatever it is that you want to be. So, you know, coaching is is different because it's it requires it's much more of a relationship in that way because, you know, the artist has that responsibility to actually do the homework, right, and step up and, um, you know, explore these sort of places that they're being held back. But also we obviously look at, um, you know, what that potential is, what that would look like, feeling into that, and then feeling supported and coached as you grow into that next level. So, you know, coaches like myself, like Kat and yourself as well, you know, we while we coach, we also provide that educational side of things. So it's not you know, we're able to really talk about like how you can market this thing or, um, you know, I don't know, sell that artwork through, you know, a different strategy than you might have been trying already. So that I w- would call like more the educational, but then it's blended with coaching there. Yeah, I love that. And what's really beautiful about that, that we've both experience those shifts right because we had our own coaches and we believe in the power of coaching and we know what it's capable of uh, doing for us so um, I think that's one of the main aspects of that as well yeah and I think um, you know as you asked in your or as you sort of stated you know that there's a bit of criticism around um, the coaching industry and I think often it happens because either the artist there isn't taking responsibility or they actually wanted the education and not the coaching so it's that disconnect of yeah you know what they actually wanted there as well yeah and I mean you know we we try to explain a lot of our process as well you know through our websites and and then through the things we share let's say on the social media or in podcasts. So people actually know what they're signing up for, right? When they become our clients. Um, and and we are also representations of, of what that can do for you. Now, um, you started your practice or you launched your platform, The Curator's Salon, and you started with uh, a blog and the podcast. And I always adore the title because it Im- immediately drives me in. And I wanted to ask you about your mission back then and then today, if if maybe that has changed a little or what was your main mission with that? I think when I started The Curator's Salon, as a platform, I didn't have a big mission or a vision for it, really. It was a place that I was able to write posts about studio visits I'd had, exhibitions I'd visited, um, my own thoughts on like where artists could improve their own, you know, business aspects of them, of their you know, presentation online and offline. So really it was it was a bit of a, a personal blog in some ways. Um, but I know that I needed it to be separate from the gallery website. So that's why I really started that. And then that kind of led into the podcast because I was having, you know, great conversations with artists at their studios. And I was like, well, you know, these really need to be brought into uh, to a broader audience, to, you know, to a 
wider public that would also find this massively interesting. So the podcast started based off that as well. And so now, you know, the platform became a place to host all these things together. But yeah, so the mission originally was just like, no, this is what I'm doing. I think there was a time also like personal blogs were quite a thing. I'm sure they still are. But, you know, it certainly evolved into being much more diverse now. You know, we still have artist interviews. We have them through uh, written. We have them spoken through um, the podcast, of course. Um, there's art business advice on there. And then, um, yeah, when we've kind of, you know, got the art education and the coaching and um, we've got these sort of mini educational programs as well. So, yeah, it's really kind of padded out. And I think, you know, the mission really is about empowering artists to be their own best advocate. And so my question falls into that really nicely. So you've launched your magazine last year in 2021. Um, can you take us behind the scenes a little bit? And maybe because you're also um, creating online exhibits at the moment. So can you take us behind the scenes of the selection process? How is it different when you curate for the magazine and then when you curate for a show? Yeah, so Art Scene magazine launched uh, last year and we're due to publish uh, issue four in May of 2022. The selection is different because I feel like with a magazine, with it being in print, it just has a longer life, even though we're at a point now that we're publishing four issues a year. It still has a longer life than an exhibition because the exhibitions are temporary, you know, whether they're in person or they were virtual. I don't actually have virtual exhibitions on at the moment. We haven't run any this year, in fact. Uh, but we certainly did in the last couple of years as we've mostly been in lockdown. But there I was able to sort of include more people. I was able to have more shows. It was a faster turnaround. So we could just generally include more people and give them that exposure. Uh, and that, the point of that was the exposure would complement their own marketing efforts. With the magazine, I feel the inf what we put in there is more robust in a different way because there's a lot, lot more, you know, text, obviously, that supports the images. And we're really kind of introducing the artist on these sorts of features and profile pages. And then we also have other pages around uh, Q&A. So we're really kind of in conversation with artists. So, you know, when we're selecting, I suppose, you know, we're looking in a way for people that actually have a robust practice. We're looking for people that are, um, that have a strong body of work. So what I don't want to see, for example, would be somebody that submits artwork and then their website shows something completely different. For me, that's a huge disconnect. It's because, well, if I'm doing that, then the reader is also good. If their interest is piqued by the artist on the page, they're going to, go to their social media or their website and they're going to experience this disconnect and you know I don't want that to sort of reflect on me I suppose and I do feel like the artist has some responsibility for their own like you know how they're presenting themselves to their to their world right across all these different um, platforms whether it's a website or exhibition or you know social media and so on so um, you know that is actually one of the things we end up considering we actually go through all the artwork, we go through the images, uh, we do that more than once, we get a long list, we get a short list. And then, you know, the process between the long list and the short list might be actually reading more about them 
or reading their statements closer, making sure that that does fit with the visual work that we've presented. And then often we might uh, look at beyond that as well, because then we can go over to their website and we'll go, actually, you know, they've actually got some other interesting work that we might like a bit more, or they have got something interesting that they've written in their statement or in some of their, I don't know, something they've written about, maybe a blog post and some experience they talked about. And then we would, um, you know, go in and we would basically connect with the artist and ask more questions to make the piece that we then write about or the Q&A that we do be more pertinent so that they're getting, you know, the, a positive piece of exposure within the magazine. Um, yeah, so that's that's kind of how that happens. But, you know, initially it's always about the artwork that's submitted. Thank you for sharing so openly about your process and... I think this is really valuable for the artist to see behind the scenes of uh, the selection process. Now, I want to stop here because we want to meet again next week. I'll be releasing another episode that will continue this conversation. In the next episode, we will be focusing on the art prize, the submissions in general, and there will be some really good advice for artists who are really trying to become more professional and put themselves out there, show up authentically and just improve their skills in the overall presentation of their work. So stay tuned and listen to the next episode that will be released next week. Thank you.